This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hello, I'm Andrew Jupin. Steven Sadak. Chris Cabin. And we hate movies. We all go a little mad sometimes. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Huh? Sometimes. That is what I... Hello everyone, welcome to the first episode of our 2013 Halloween Spooktacular we are on hand to talk about 1994's pre-scream meta horror shit show, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. My God. But you know what? I think his new nightmare must have been the tax man. Because <laughs> there's no reason for anybody to do this. I'm just picturing some dude in a black suit knocking on Wes Craven's door for a week straight. And he's just peering out like through the curtains. Oh, no. Better come up with something fast. <laughs> well, that's what I think he told Bob Shea. I think he went up to Bob Shea's door and was like, look, I had this nightmare last night. <laughs> and it was Freddy Krueger, and he's from the IRS. <laughs> and he was taking all of you down with me. I mean, because let's, let's not split hairs here. You know, uh, I'm a fan of a lot of movies that New Line Cinema put out. Sure. Uh, but in 1994, this was just as much a New Line Cinema vanity project as it was a, a Wes Craven vanity well, project. He's Wes Craven has a substantial amount of dialogue in this movie, and I'm surprised he can get any words out because his dick is planted firmly in his own mouth <laughs> the entire fucking time. It's just it's a, it's amazing how anyone got away with this. I one. mean, he does like, have that slight drawl, so I mean, he can get <laughs> something out of there. Well, you know, he gets away with it because the whole idea, and it's a good idea. It is, is a pretty good idea. Making this sort of meta world horror thing. Mm. I mean, two years later, he would do it pitch fucking perfectly, but this just had to be the test run for it. And in the process, destroy a horror franchise that was already furiously shitting the bed by this point. <laughs> that was already, like, this is a paint-by-numbers if there ever was one. Yeah. All you fucking have to do <laughs> is give Freddy weird shit to do to teenagers. Yep. Yeah. That's all you got to do. That's It's the simplest fucking thing, and people will show up in droves. Hey, you know uh, who doesn't appear once in this movie? A teenager. Nope. Not one GD teenager's floating around in this fiasco. Oh, but thank God Miko Hughes is here to fucking whine about. Now, here's my question about Miko Hughes, because I know the, the fella's a grown man these days. And uh, I don't know how much he, he acts anymore, but I mean, between this, wasn't he also the kid in Pet Cemetery? He's the kid in, in Pet, Pet Cemetery. Cemetery. He's, he's the kid in Mercury Rising. Mm -hmm. You think he's like 
kind of twisted. He's got to be a little weird, right? I mean, yeah. he was a terrifying kid. That usually ter- translates into terrifying adult. That's the thing. If I have a kid and I got an eerie kid, like it's just like he's five and six, and yeah. it's like, oh, he's going through this eerie phase. He's going to the adoption agency. Like, no, I'm sorry, dude, you could take him. Anytime, you really could take him. Anytime my wife and I watch an SVU episode where there's like a terrifying child killer, mm-hmm. especially like the real like narcissistic fucking sociopathic kids, it rethinks the whole family plan <laughs> for us. Like we just kind of look at each other like, yeah, that could be trouble, right? <laughs> and it's like straight to the fucking padded wall house with you, kid, because I cannot put up with that. Because Miko Hughes is a kind of kid that I imagine like for Christmas, he's like, Mommy, can I have a Peggy Lee record and candles? <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. That's all. That's all I want. She asks why, and he just goes, "Cause I want to see if something works." <laughs> and you oh, don't really know what that see. is. Uh, for the uninitiated, uh, you know, just to quickly recap the plot, and then we'll just kind of talk about the movie. Uh, this is the movie where the real life actress Heather Langenkamp from the first film uh, and her son and husband start being haunted by. This evil force that takes the form of Freddy Krueger. That's what we should also be clear yep. about, by mm-hmm. the way. Yep. Keeping on the We Hate Movies track record of talking about horror franchises that don't necessarily have the key villain involved, this is not Freddy Krueger. As Wes Craven explains in his dick-in-mouth monologue that happens here, uh, it's, a, it's a demon that he sort of drummed up and kept alive with creating Freddy Krueger and it was kept up with all the sequels but as he explains as the sh- as the sequels got shakier and shakier this demon sort of broke free from it and is now coming into the real world to attack people which i love the idea that he yeah, blames yeah. Yeah. the terror that's being inflicted on the world in this movie on those shitty sequels he had nothing to do well, with well i don't know if you knew this heather but i was saving humanity and then all of a sudden New Line Cinema just let the beast loose by making terrible <laughs> movies. I mean, he's clearly involved in the dark arts. I mean, if this yeah. stuff's going on, so do you think he's like the guy who made like Bernie come back to life in Weekend at Bernie's Two? That's is he possible. one of like where he's got that kind of powers going he, on? He was the uh, he was the the, mo- the what, what do they call her the Mobu living in the oh, Virgin yeah, the Islands? Mobu, yes, or maybe it's like it's Rupert Giles, Ethan Rain, and Wes Craven, the trio <laughs> of seventies Hellraisers, getting into all sorts of spooks. God, I'd love that. Now there's your Ripper show, fucking finally. Fucking just do that show already, all right? Just do it. Yeah. Just do it. He's 60 years old, and it's awesome. He's just in England, and he's getting into all sorts of adventures. It's BBC. You just need six episodes. That's all I need. I'm sorry. It would be fantastic. <laughs> well, this, I mean, the movie comes in a long, there was that long stretch. Uh, and I, ta- I think, because uh, it's almost 10 years. It's almost an entire decade of him making absolute garbage. Well, this movie came out in 94. The first Nightmare was 84. Well, no, I'm saying in 86 is Deadly Friend. <laughs> oh, yes. And in 89, the only exception to this rule is in 89 is The Serpent and the Rainbow, which I think is a good movie. But uh, from. Is that the one with Bill Pullman? Yeah, yeah that's a good movie. Yeah. But from 1986 to 1996, when Scream comes out, uh-huh. other than The Serpent and the Rainbow, it is just fucking garbage. <laughs> and included in that is um, a stay tuned uh, for Shocker. Oh, yeah, Shocker also with Robert Anglin. And fucking Mitch Pileggi. Oh, yeah. Agent Skinner from the X-Files. He's great. Yep. So the movie starts off 
kind of promisingly, you've got your first scare, your cold open. Right. By the way, this movie to blur the the uh, to blur the worlds between reality and fiction. There's no credits. Fucking suck on it, audience. <laughs> Deal with it. Deal with my new nightmare. Who doesn't see opening credits and is like, wait, is this a movie? <laughs> I just paid for this movie. I, I mean, I'm I'm sitting in a chair in a dark room with four other people. Uh, there's a bucket of popcorn on my lap. Some teenager in a red vest just walked by with a flashlight. This, but there wasn't any opening credits. Am is, I watching a movie? This is a really strange, regal first look. <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of movies that don't have opening credits. Who are you fooling? Really, really stupid people? And a box of goobers always dances and tells you that the feature presentation's about to happen. Like, you know you're watching the feature presentation. Do you think someone had to sit in a meeting with that and, you know, Wes was like, now here's the real good idea I think we have now, which is uh, no opening credits. We're just going to go right into the first scene in the horror factory and, uh, you know, just sort of blur the lines between fantasy and reality. <laughs> and someone's like, uh... <laughs> Yeah, but they they will remember having purchased a ticket, walking down a hallway, sitting in a place that's not their living room. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 90% sure it's Wikipedia, which, you know, take it or leave it, but it says like there's no opening credits because Wes Craven wanted to create the illusion of you don't know if it's a movie or not a movie or a documentary or who knows what. Well, I just saw the <laughs> fucking trailer for Quiz Show. I don't... <laughs> I don't know what you want from here, Wes. Yeah, of course it's a movie. You know what? I, that shit just makes no sense to me. And it just goes off. It's, it's rotten through this movie. <laughs> it's really rotten. Uh, and the other thing, by the way, is it's a dream sequence. So we're mm -hmm. starting our movie off with a lie. But of course, with these nightmare movies, that's, that's always the case. You're yeah. trying to juggle whether or not what you're watching is a dream sequence or not. But the thing is, it, we're on the set of a new nightmare uh, on Elm Street movie, and I, I'm watching this because I, I hadn't seen it before. I, I haven't seen a lot of these movies, actually. I've only seen the first one. Can I just say for a second? I think this is the first time this has happened in a really long time. I've seen this movie like 20 times. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, screened for research for this movie was my personal copy because the Nightmare on Elm Street box set was mm -hmm. the it was the first DVD box that I ever purchased. Like 1999, like, my DVDs come in boxes. <laughs> Great! Two hundred dollars, huh? Better get a job! And this is all you want for Christmas, okay? <laughs> Christmas and birthday! Better than Candles and Peggy Lee Records! Here's a box of movies! I just want to see what it does. <laughs> so, sorry, what were you saying? Uh, but, like, uh, and this is the first and only time I'll say this, and I wish we had a soundboard because I'd play the record scratch sound, but I agree with Owen Gleiberman. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. uh -huh. Is he says like he's like one of the few critics. This is critic. This is kind of critically acclaimed. Even Roger Ebert gave it three stars. He huh? he gave yeah. it he gave it a negative review, and he's like, you know, the first scene's the best scene because it's a movie I want to watch, which is Freddy Krueger coming alive on a movie set, and you know, people dealing with it. Yeah, uh, haunting a movie set. That sounds great. And the whole thing is the movie revolves around this idea of Wes Craven is writing this new movie. Listen. Everyone in this room's written something. You know what's not really an exciting process of anything? Writing shit. You know what's great? Having it play out or making something after the fact. Well, they also make it like he's held up like Salinger. Like, who gives a shit? <laughs> like, he's writing a horror movie. Who gives a shit? It takes you fucking one week. 
Uh, my nightmares are coming to me slowly, Chris. Well, that's oh man, that's what I love. Some of my favorite parts in this movie are when characters hear uh, that Wes Craven is writing a uh, like writing a new nightmare movie, and everyone responds in kind with, "Is Wes having nightmares again?" <laughs> like what you know? Again, the nightmare of the tax man, but like what you had to have a nightmare to write Deadly Friend. <laughs> Get a nightmare of a fucking treacherous, cute little a, yellow robot. Really, a nightmare for music of the heart. <laughs> well, really, that is a true horror story. But Meryl I, Streep's new nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to talk because this scene, I, I, it's a shitty thing. But like, so uh, what happens on this set in this opening scene is uh, the Freddy Krueger hand comes to life and just starts butchering the shit out of everybody. And I kind of thought. About what if, like, Thing just killed the entire Adams family? <laughs> like, Better movie. Snapping their necks. He and- was pushed a little too far with having to dust up that old house. Good well- show, old man! <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, that's the funny thing. is that I, I, I didn't know it was a dream sequence. It's almost positive, and it kind of plays out, and you know it's a dream sequence by the end of it. But it's... I was like, why did they make the claws actually sharp? Like, wouldn't they be just rubber? Like, yeah, why, yeah. <laughs> why wouldn't you? Aren't they just, like, not really sharp? Or even dull metal? Yeah, that's true. If it was supposed to be a prop thing. That's just, a weird, like, bit of shittiness in this movie that her husband pulls on her. Is that Her husband's like this FX whiz. Probably the best in the business, as far as this movie's concerned. Mm-hmm. And he's been secretly designing, like, a, a new prototype glove. And it, it's, it, it feels like everyone in this movie, Wes Craven, Bob Shea at New Line, who has a cameo playing himself, like, everyone is conspiring to trick Heather Langenkamp <laughs> to star in this new Nightmare on Elm Street movie. And it's really sinister. It's, but this world is nightmare crazy. This oh, is a yeah. world in which everybody fucking loves Nightmare on Elm Street. Cannot go two seconds without talking it. Ca- Heather Langenkamp can't walk down the street like, hey, you're Heather Langenkamp. That's what I love. And I know there's a lot of horror hounds out there and whatnot that would recognize her, you know, as would I. Yeah. But the, the, to the degree that this movie portrays her, speaking of fucking and Meryl Streep. <laughs> I mean, she's making an appearance on this daytime talk show that's kind of like a Jerry Springer thing or whatever, and there are, like, Freddy fanatics peppering the studio audience dressed in costume, homemade signs. Yeah, right. I mean, it's not even fucking Jerry. It's like Wednesdays with Wilson. It's like, <laughs> who gives... It's this tiny little set, and she even makes a point. She's like, look, I was only in the first one and the third one. Yeah, totally. Like, so who ca- Like, who cares about this person? All I give a shit about is England. <laughs> She's not even promoting anything. It's like, let's just bring this act... Let's dig this actress up. I'm doing a movie. some TV, she says. <laughs> which I'm sure. It's China Beach, right? <laughs> it's, it's probably China Just Beach. the Ten of Us. Great spin-off of Growing Pains. She was one of them. Oh, yeah. Hey, also, apparently she was in Star Trek Into Darkness playing a character who I didn't recognize. Yeah, so she of. must have been an alien of some kind. Yeah, one of those aliens they didn't really name. Uh, also, what I love is the when you the scene where she goes to Bob Shea's office to have a meeting. You know, and yeah, for those of you who don't know, Bob Shea, one of the dudes that created New Line. And when New Line started out, what's that? And the author behind Bridge to Terabithia. Yeah, you're right. He directed Bridge to Terabithia. <laughs> uh, when New Line started out, New Line was originally like an indie movie company. It was a subsi- wound up being a subsidiary of Warner Brothers and whatnot. But before the days of Lord of the Rings and Scream and everything like that, it was an indie house. And when... Nightmare on Elm Street came out, it skyrocketed them to this whole other stratosphere yeah, yeah. of you know movie distribution, which is great for them. They made tons of money, and everybody was happy, and that first movie's amazing. 
So I get the idea that you would in some way, you know, consider your company like indebted to the success of that movie, but only to a certain point. When you go into Bob Shea's office in this movie, quote unquote, his office, it is decorated to the nines with Freddy Krueger memorabilia, including an Andy Warhol-esque triptych of Freddy's fucking face. Just Get out of town with this. It, it's like a fucking 20 year old loser's house. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just some like gore hound fucking horror convention guy that never gets out of the anywhere. It's like, he's got all these dolls and stuff. This is Bob Shea's office. And Tons of unwrapped action figures. <laughs> They're in the midst of adapting, I think, the mask at this point, or it's already happened. Wouldn't that shit be all over your fucking yeah, office? Yeah, ma- the mask was out at this point. Push this the was new 94. thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why not? You know some people are probably going to come to this movie. Push some other shit you got around there. Well, it's so weird because this movie, like, again, like, there was the sixth one, but everyone's a buzzer. When's the next nightmare come out? Oh, my God. When is the next nightmare on Elm Street? She gets it a, a limo driver's like, hey. You had a Langen camp? Oh, man, I love your work. Get the fuck out. Are you kidding me? <laughs> At least that limo driver is, like, grounded enough to reality that he's like, you look familiar. Yeah, you're in that movie. Yeah. But there are other people that address her by first and last name. And the big deal that everybody is bringing up to anybody who can listen, the entire world has this opinion. Why is Freddy dead? Of course he's not dead. It's Freddy Krueger. He's an entity in a dream. He cannot be killed. (laughs) Well, and this is what's interesting. So the movie that uh, preceded this, I believe, is Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, which they kill him. But this movie's 94, and if I'm getting my facts right here... 93 is Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday, yeah. which was the infamous setup at the end of that movie yep. with Freddy's glove coming up mm-hmm. and, and pulling down Jason's mask to hell or whatever. So I guess in that sense, it's like, when's Freddy coming back to do fa fa fa? But Jason's owned by Paramount, so yeah. we can't quite yet talk about, you know, yeah. when's he going to fight Jason? Like, we're yeah. not doing that kind of a setup. That was a weird time. Like the the internet held its breath for like twelve years. Like the nobody- time the time in uh, the time in which before Freddy versed Jason. <laughs> yeah, we were in this world of a buzz of it. It's like, oh my god, when's it gonna happen? I read like three different like fan scripts about what Freddy versus Jason could be, including one that also featured Michael Myers and Leatherface and wasn't half bad. <laughs> <laughs> now I know I know a lot about you and one of the things I know is that you didn't finish Moby Dick. I didn't even start Moby Dick. <laughs> But you think about the time you've spent reading about Freddy, what might happen when Freddy versus Jason versus Herman Melville's classic. Yeah, uh, I also once read a, a, a Friday the 13th novel that was not adapted from a movie in where Jason took on like greedy Crystal Lake land developers or something. <laughs> So, yeah, I never finished Melville's seminal classic. Maybe one day I will. But, you know, for now, the Gregory Peck adaptation worked out okay. It's just, now just it, fine. Now I have to move on to unproduced Batman versus Superman scripts. <laughs> it's oh, a there, real shitty place. There's a lot of them. I'm sure there are. Uh, can we talk about Robert Englund in this movie? He's great. He's a f- and they set up a lot of stuff with him, and they don't pay it off, which kind of pisses me off, because that's the only thing I was kind of into. He's got three scenes. Three scenes, and then he literally goes out of town. She call, like she calls Robert Englund, and he's, of course, creating a creepy painting, because you figure the guy who played Freddy Krueger seven fucking times is going to be sitting around doing that, creating mm-hmm. creepy paintings of his monster character that he's made famous. Uh, 
and then she's like, hey, so listen, I might need some advice for something later in the movie. I'll call you back in a day or two. <laughs> and she calls back, and the answering machine is like, you've reached the Englands. <laughs> We're out of the country right now, so leave a message. But we won't be back any time before the end credits. You've reached the Englands. I'm not contractually obligated. We're out of town, actually. (laughs) It just cuts off in mid-sentence with a beep. (laughs) Well, it's kind of stupid because it's like the and you kind of I kind of kept expecting there to be this England ending where like it's it was him the whole time or maybe he did something because like where where is he oh it's creepy that he's not around and it's like a clark kent superman thing because freddy isn't in the first third of the movie but uh england is and i'm like oh freddy you know if they, if they can't occupy the same space they must be the same person yeah watch out make sure england doesn't go in any phone booths around you or actually th- i mean that's what that's the fight i want at the end is england versus kruger that right, would actually be the one because while i think it would be a cool idea if it was like robert england was just like being a, a creepy killer the whole time yeah what they do set up early enough in the movie is that, yeah, there's paranormal shit going on yep. here to some degree. But how cool would that be? Yeah, the real-life Robert England comes in to save the day and fights, like, the monster that has taken the form of his favorite character. And then yeah. he's, like, got some witty line about, like, nobody plays Freddy but me or some fucking yeah. horse shit. No, no, this is it. This is it. Okay, wait, because, everybody, uh, get ready. So... It's them, and they're fighting in the furnace. Because, uh, spoiler alert, this fucking ends in a furnace. Yeah, um, we, gotta, we have to go to a boiler room. <laughs> and she, like, Freddie's got uh, her and the kid. But then England comes in and, like, throws them out. And it's, he, like, locks the, do- the door of the furnace behind him. It just takes Freddie into him. He's like, out of the frying pan, into the fire. And just, like, burns it. <laughs> yeah, they both burn yep. together. Yep. Yeah, that's, oh, that's, wow. that's what I That'd wanted. That's, that's the one I want. Uh, how do we feel about the whole, I mean, and I think it's going to be universally negative, but the whole idea of like actors portraying themselves, it's, 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 not, it's stupid, right? It's not good. I mean, it's like, it's, it's really, uh, thank God that she doesn't have an agent in this movie and you know, there's no like agent character that she's kind of going with. I, I'm trying to think of any, t- uh, John Malkovich and being John Malkovich yeah. is really good. Obviously. That's a good. Yeah. That's a good one. Kind of a rare exception. And she's not a good actress. I mean, I, I think she's fine in those movies, but this movie's asking a lot of her. I yeah. mean, the stuff in the player with certain people playing themselves. Yeah, is that fine. works out too. I guess. Um, I guess I'm just I'm thinking because the other day on TV, uh, Ocean's Twelve was on, and there's that fucking garbage yeah. scene with Julia oh. Roberts and Bruce Willis. <laughs> you just want to fucking pull your hair well, out of your chest. Speaking of Bruce Willis, the other the last one I remember where I was like. I was so pissed off at it because it makes no sense. Is that uh, what just happened? Movie. Oh, when Bruce Willis movie, plays himself. That movie he, is dog shit. It is so stupid because the whole point of it is that you're supposed to be making fun of yourself, and like if you want to do that, do that and do it well and go all the way with it. Right. Bruce Willis is just kind of like I'm angry and I have a beard. Who gives a shit? <laughs> so can we talk about the weird pre-scream phone calls that she gets? Because that's kind of the beginning. <laughs> yeah. She has this nightmare. You know, she's about to go. Uh, you know, on this on this talk show, and like her and her husband are talking about these phone calls she's been getting. Like, oh my god, have you gotten any more phone calls? Where are the phone calls coming from? And she gets one, and it's it's is it the act is it the same actor? It sounds exactly the same. No, I th- I think it's supposed to be kind of closer to the the Freddie voice. Yeah, it's just but it's like it's the same thing. It's, it, it's the same thing. You're just getting a bunch of like crank phone calls. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, it it I really watching this movie again. And having seen it a hundred times and having seen Scream a hundred times, it's very clear that this is like the rough draft for Scream. It's yeah. like, you know what? 
You can do this again. Just take all that magic out. And let somebody else write it for you, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, I think he's a great director when he wants to be, but this this is a bad script. It's, yeah. a, it's a script that, you know, it doesn't have any of that Kevin Williamson cleverness that Scream wound up having, which is what makes Scream work so well. Well, even I, I don't even think the cleverness is what you need. Like, I, of course, Scream is a really good movie, um, and it's certainly better than this, but... What really all I wanted was like a, a body count. Yep. That's all I wanted. I really, yeah. that's all I wanted was a body count. And you give me, what, three people I think die in this movie? Well, one of the first people that dies is her husband, which is uh, kind of a great scene. It's one of the better scenes because Freddy Krueger's actually killing somebody. Right. And it was actually, I think it was added in post because, or like, it was not added in post, but like the producers made him do it because there wasn't a body count. He's like, no, it's more ephemeral. It's all about earthquakes. Isn't that much more? <laughs> God. Who wants to watch a Freddy Krueger movie when they can watch it? Earthquakes. Me. Every time. <laughs> every time you put put those two options in front of me, it's Freddy Krueger. Every time. And yet, this is truly Freddy Krueger without Freddy Krueger. Not just because, you know, this monster has taken the form of Freddy Krueger. But yeah, because he's barely around. Look. Audiences don't want blood geysers anymore. What they want are fractured, load-bearing walls. <laughs> well, if that's what we want, we get it in fucking spades in this movie. There's so much property damage, it's horrifying. And there's never that thing that keeps saying like, these earthquakes are happening and all this creepy shit's happening. He never goes that extra mile to be like, it's Freddy breaking through the barrier between worlds. Fucking tell me that if that's going to happen. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, my 20s, while being a lot of fun, a lot of the time, were pretty rough. I wasn't exactly rolling in dough. I lived at home until I was about 25, and for most of it, I didn't have this show or you lovely people in my life. I just kind of drifted around without direction and didn't know where to voice that. Then I started to get my crap together one piece at a time, and the last piece, which didn't come until my early 30s, was therapy. And man, I wish it came along sooner. Ever since I started sitting down as a licensed therapist, I've had a place to voice my insecurities and try to fashion plans to help me achieve my goals. So that's why I'm thrilled we're sponsored by BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be flexible, convenient, and suited to meet your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and the good thing is you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash WHM today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash WHM. This episode's brought to you in part by Rocket Money, and they have this question for you. They handed to me just now, Mr. Rocket just handed me this. Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? Most Americans think they pay around $80 a month on subscription services, but the actual total is closer to $200. If you don't know exactly how much you're spending every month, you need Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. And with Rocket Money, you can lower those bills without resorting to having bean dinners every day of the week. You know, you have those bean dinners to try to save some few bucks. But if you were monitoring your spending with Rocket Money, you didn't necessarily need to eat every bean dinner. 
So find out what all the fuss is about. You know, over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, like the Stars app. Don't get me started. You don't have to go through all the back end of the website anymore. You don't have to call customer service. Rocket Money helps you manage all your finances in one place as well and categorizes everything. It's easy to keep track of a whole budget. Even I can do it and I got rocks in my head. So find out what 3 million people have already done. They've taken the rocket, folks. Stop throwing the money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash WHM. That is rocketmoney.com slash WHM. Once more, rocketmoney.com slash WHM, which stands for We Hate Movies. Just make it Freddy. Don't try to justify your creativity and make it like a level higher by saying it's like this demon that your your writing kept at bay by making these movies. And now that we stopped making sequels, there's a monster on the loose. And if so, if that's really what you want to do, fucking get a mythology. I'm sorry. But like just being like, yeah, I was doing this thing with the demon and now the demon's not there anymore. But now it's out. And I now need a flashback like, scene to 1983 and it's Wes Craven and he's in in Nebraska and he comes to a crossroads and meets the devil and he says to the devil listen I really need a hit on my hands here okay can you help me out and he says all right I got this beast for you okay and I'm gonna give you this beast and all you have to do is write a script with this beast in mind but keep in mind you have to keep making sequels if you stop making sequels the beast will be unleashed. And that's what happened. Give me that flashback. And that's the thing is that this movie, uh, to me, is always on the lip of making fun of sequels and mm-hmm. making fun of the like studio's need for those sequels to keep on being made. But because we are constantly filleting Bob Shea... <laughs> It's you're not allowed to take it to that end. You're not allowed to really be like, oh, fucking God, with these sequels. Like, you're not. Yeah, the only time that it even happens is when Wes Craven is he's explaining the demon story to Heather Langenkamp. And he says in so many words that because of the quality of the sequels, uh, you know, the, 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 the monster started breaking free. But he's explaining it in the sense of like. You know, I've always thought that storytelling was a way to keep monsters at bay. But when you tell a story over and over again, sometimes, you know, there's cracks in the story and the story becomes weaker. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. You don't approve of those (laughs) fucking five sequels. I understand. Well, you know, yeah, it's not it's not sequels in general, Chris. It's sequels without Wes Craven. (laughs) There be monsters. (laughs) (laughs) So so you're saying Scream 2 through 4 we we were able to keep the monster at bay successfully. Yes, finally. And thank God they we're trying to work out this Scream television show to then keep the monster at bay for another six seasons in a movie. Thank God Wes Craven is working at keeping the monster at Hell, bay. Hell, just again. a miniseries would do it. <laughs> Everyone write a letter to Wes Craven thanking him for not allowing monsters to exist. Yeah, without him, monsters would be rumming the earth like fucking Pacific Rim. So thank you for making these <laughs> <laughs> thank you for making these sequels happen. Uh, the look of Freddy in this movie is annoying to me. Yep. yep. Uh, you know, because again, this whole, it's supposed to be this beast. It's not really Freddy Krueger. And but the likes whole, being Freddy Krueger. Right, exactly. It got used to being Freddy. Oh, God, whatever, Wes Craven. But so, you know, he looks a lot more menacing and the gloves. You know, it's not a glove. He's like, a, he's got a clawed hand and it's got like bone and sinew on it and stuff like that. 
and he's wearing like a, a duster at one point. The sweater is gone. But here's the one thing they could have dialed back a bit in the scene where finally, like an hour and God even knows, like 20 minutes into this movie where the Freddy monster finally bursts out of the closet and attacks her. He's got on like Mark Wahlberg in rock star leather pants, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he looks ridiculous. It's like a fan of like some black metal band dressed up like Freddy Krueger for Halloween. It looks really, really terrible. You're not giving your character any edge whatsoever. And in the process, you're ripping the one thing out of him that everyone's grown to love, which is all the one-liners, all the snappy jokes and the, the side fucking comments. hat! Give me a hat! <laughs> Just put a hat on that thing. I don't need to see that disgusting burned skull. But I mean, and he he looks super over designed in this movie. Yeah. Like yeah. the the, the uh, whole outline, the makeup all looks way over designed. I kind of liked him looking like a shitty piece of cheese pizza. <laughs> like I kind of liked that look. I was yeah. fine with it. And like again, yeah, you l- lose everything that everybody was coming back to these movies for. He's got like super contacts in too. Like his eyes are bright green. It really looks terrible. Well, it was the mid '90s. They had to put a duster on him. So you know the big thing, the big plot line of this movie is that you know this monster. I'm not even going to call it Freddy. Honestly, this monster is trying to get to Heather Langenkamp through her child, which is just a little kid. And there's a lot of like, we're just going to keep like making this kid creepy by watching these movies. And it's a weird thing of like. Why are you now telling me that watching horror movies fucks kids up? Like, he's watching the original Nightmare and, you know, like, doing the chanting the theme song and all of this stuff. But, 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 but Andrew, the, 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 the TV was unplugged the whole time. There's so many shots of an <laughs> unplugged TV that's supposed to shit your fucking pants. Now, let me, t- let me tell you something about that, too. I've had to unplug my TV before, okay? Mm-hmm. I've done it a couple of times in my life, unplugging things, not just TVs. I've unplugged stereo systems, lamps. You know what I never do when I unplug something? Precariously, like, drape it over what it's sitting on to let everybody know that it's unplugged. <laughs> like, the cord for this TV is hanging in front of it just so the audience can see that it's unplugged. Especially when you have an eerie six-year-old scattering around your house. <laughs> I don't need. That's just dangerous. Well, that's my theory about this. Is that like I think because uh, as we know from Deadly Friend, like Wes Craven wanted to do, and this is what Music of the Heart was. He wanted to branch out. He wanted to do different movies. Right. So I, what I really think this originally was was a script for like a Lifetime movie about um, a single mother dealing with her bipolar kid, <laughs> and then they just added in Freddy Krueger right. to yeah. kind of explain the bipolar stuff. And make it a little weird. Well, we do have a ton of dramatic hospital scenes where this kid <laughs> might be being diagnosed as uh, schizophrenic or you know childhood bipolar mm-hmm. or all this shit. And I'm just like, aren't there some uh, kids over at the high school that could use some butchering? <laughs> yeah. Or kids fucking? Let's uh, let's cut the kids fucking. How where, about that? Where where is the fucking in this movie? Someone pulls something out and puts something somewhere. A finger anything because i can't believe i'm watching this movie and there isn't any teen sex in it it's disgusting first of all i want to take a break here and put my hands together for john saxon i just (laughs) love i love the career of john saxon i love that he 
he aged his toupee appropriately as he got older. He, John Saxon made all the right moves with that sure, toupee. He sure did. He's hilarious in Enter the Dragon. Like oh, he's, he's so hilarious. He's got no business being in that nope. movie. He's just there, and he's like fat. Look at that fat. But he's like an out of shape white guy, and he's like, "Yeah, I know karate. The camera's gonna cut before I do anything." <laughs> But oh. he's just in this movie playing himself. And again, and I don't want to make any presumptions about these people's lives because I don't know John Saxon. I don't know Heather Langenkamp. I don't know Bob England, although I wish I did because I just called him Bob England like we're fucking neighbors. But listen, this movie was made, this first movie was made in 1984. Her and Saxon and, and England all came together for the third one again for a, a brief period of time. Is she in real life calling John Saxon <laughs> four times a week for family advice? Yeah, I don't think so. There's not a psychiatrist you want to talk to, maybe? <laughs> Why are you calling Hollywood B actor John Saxon at all hours? All hours. There's a scene where she calls from the hospital and he's got a cute little set of jammies on. Like, what hour is it? I'm not your father in real life. Do you think in the first movie, John Saxon was a real shit, and he like got her to sign over like power of attorney to him? Oh, <laughs> I, God, I hope so. He's getting part of that check. And that's why she keeps on contacting him, is because he has power over everything. <laughs> Anytime she's got to make a healthcare decision about her child. Well, that's the best part. Is his first scene is the funeral of her husband. Her husband is falling asleep. Freddy Krueger comes out and he kills him. Or his hand comes out and he, he makes him, you know, have a big old car accident. The guy dies. Right. And, like, she's kind of like... I guess she's. There's another earthquake at the funeral because there's nothing but earthquakes in this movie. It's fucking Heather Langenkamp and a series of unfortunate events would be the name of this movie. <laughs> and like she like kind of hits her head on the on the the uh, the casket and like passes out and Freddie's doing stuff and then John Zach is like, "Wake up, wake up! I wanted to stand up and applaud. It was fantastic." <laughs> and, uh, that, yeah. John Saxon, by the way, he's. For Heather Langenkamp's actual husband's uh, funeral, he's sending a card. Like, that's yep. just a send He's sending a card. It's just uh, a card. Saw what happened two weeks after it happened. Here's a card. <laughs> yeah. Oh, to that point, though, the people that show up at that funeral, uh, the dude from the first one who uh, they suspect for murdering his girlfriend and then Freddie hangs him in the jail cell with yep. the bed sheet, that dude's there. No line of dialogue. There's a chick from the third movie who's just there hanging out. No dialogue. What this movie does that's really annoying is because they're trying this whole this movie's whole mission is like the the demons coming out in the real world and blah 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 and this is the new nightmare and blah blah blah. All it does is make you wish you were watching the first movie. Yep. The kids watching it on the TV all the time. The actors from the first movie are all farting around together talking about the old days. And there's even one of the most famous deaths from the first movie, aside from Johnny Depp's death scene, is reenacted almost bit for bit. The first death. The first death in the first Nightmare on Elm Street is redone. When the blonde gets killed at the sleepover and Freddy drags her up over the wall yep. and whatnot... That happens to the babysitter in the hospital scene. So, like, if you're really, really trying to make this the new nightmare and set the new standard for flab, why are we repeating and referencing and just fucking boning that first movie till the end of the end of the credits? Give me a new nightmare. Give me the the sleep the the fucking I don't even know what the the the, the party monster. Fuck anything. Just make something up. I mean, Wes you Craven. Can have, I mean, that's the thing is if West if you. 
You could market a movie, a new uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie, and be like, Wes Craven's back at the helm. Here we go, everybody. It's going to be fucking new, and it's going to be awesome. But instead, it's just a fuck... Like, it's a mommy dearest bullshit. Like, it's who... I don't care about this at all. Yeah, she's kind of, like, later in the movie, she's accused of being a bad mother by this this doctor. This doctor, by the way, this put upon... I don't know if she's a child psychiatrist or whatever. Whatever this woman's doing in this hospital, this lady has heard enough about <laughs> Freddy Krueger for one day, and I fucking love it. Because the whole thing, like, you know, Heather Langenkamp starts going crazy, obviously. She's being haunted by what she thinks is Freddy Krueger, even though it's not. And, uh, you know, she starts saying things like, Freddy's coming after my boy, my boy's seeing Freddy, Freddy tore my bed sheet, Freddy killed my husband... And then, like, she's in this hospital. She has another dream sequence where the monster, like, takes the kid. And she's like, Freddy stole my baby. And this doctor is just like, Freddy. Freddy Krueger. And she's just, she might as well just be saying, like, I have had just about enough of this shit for one day. So have I, lady. I'm with why, you. Why is all of Los Angeles talking about Freddy Krueger this week? It's unacceptable. <laughs> it's- I, watched, I watched that daytime show. There's Even though it was promoting nothing, just... I don't know why they were doing this. Yeah, they were celebrating the. T- they're supposedly the show is celebrating the tenth anniversary yeah. of the release, but like we didn't care about shit like that back then. We no, weren't able no. to put out like new thing. Maybe there was like a new VHS tape or something. No, I mean, it, I, I don't think it got put back in theaters. And how many times have you heard of like any TV show giving a shit about the anniversary of any movie? I don't think <laughs> The Godfather or The Godfather Two has ever been celebrated on a TV show. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't. I don't think that happens. I don't have that information in front of me. Maybe it'll be celebrated on that new James Conn baseball show. Oh, what? What? Yeah, he's doing some bad baseball show where he's like, he's a surly little league coach. You just don't even want to bother. Just close your eyes for two days. It'll get canceled. (laughs) (laughs) That's like, uh, why don't you just watch the Bad News Bears? There's a surly little league coach. Done and done. Fucking either one. Oh, whatever that is. The best thing is they're doing all these tests on this kid. They're like, oh, my God, this kid's not sleeping. This kid's really creepy. Something's wrong with this kid. <laughs> maybe his father just died. Like, it, <laughs> it never comes into, like, maybe he's schizophrenic. Maybe he's bipolar. Maybe his father just died, and he's fucking being like, I'm seeing monsters. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm seeing the monster that took daddy to heaven. <laughs> or whatever. The whole thing with the kid is that you're, like... He's got like he gets up in the middle of the night. It's like a shining thing, but Oh, it's trying to be. It's trying yeah. to be shining without Jack Torrance essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um but there's also like an omen situation going on. But it like and of course they have to do this where the kid wakes up in the middle of the night and he's taped a bunch of fucking knives. Look after your kid, lady. Yeah, what are you doing? Just a fucking bait. You know what? Just for like a month or two after the dad's died, just put like a baby monitor in there. <laughs> yeah. Just to know what's going on. Maybe like this. And as we find out, the kid's a fucking epileptic. Yeah, he's got epilepsy. He sleepwalks. Like this kid's got a laundry list of problems before his dad dies by the hand of a fake Freddy Krueger. And I mean, what you're talking about is I think she has a nightmare. And of course, the TV's on. It's playing the fucking nightmare movie again. She goes downstairs and she's like. Billy, Billy, turn around. It's the old, come on, let's let's turn around. What's yeah. going on with his face? And he turns around. He's got these hilarious, like, steak knives taped <laughs> to his little fingers. Oh, yeah. No, it's 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 an adorable Halloween costume. <laughs> and he's doing his, the Miko Hughes 
It's actually, it was his trademark was going, <laughs> yeah, that kid paid for his own college education making feral animal noises. <laughs> I think he even does it in Mercury Rising. He does. That's what autism is to him. He's <laughs> growling animal noises. <laughs> well, your son clearly has autism. <laughs> is that how it sounds? <laughs> It's just like hyena noises. There is real. I mean, there's no plot to this movie. It's just her going back and forth from the doctor's office. Going back and forth from Robert Englund's house to Wes Craven's house. <laughs> not to Johnny Depp's house because, hilariously enough, Wes Craven was too timid to ask him. That's what the IMDb trivia says. It's like he was too timid to ask Johnny Depp, but Johnny Depp would have done it. No, of- he wouldn't. Uh, well, Johnny Depp said he would have. Done yeah, it. That's, yeah, yeah. He, he ran into him. Supposedly, the yeah. story goes, and he said, "Of course, he would have done it." I mean, who knows? Maybe he would have. Maybe I don't know. I don't remember what Johnny Depp was really up to in 1994. Tim Burton movie still. Um, yeah, yeah, that's he's true. Been doing that, Tim Burton movies for 30 it, it, years. John Water, like cry, I think Cry Baby is around then. No, not that's, it was before 94. That's early years, is yeah. it? Oh, I think okay. 94 was uh, Ed Wood, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's. And he, right. he was definitely in the Burtoning, <laughs> the the first Burtoning phase. I of just his like career. the idea of Wes Wes Craven being behind Johnny Depp at like the supermarket. Like, Excuse me, Mr. Uh, Mr. No, no, don't do it, Wes. Don't do it. What is he going to do? You know, shoot you in the head? He's going to say no. He's not going to laugh at you. You fucking started his career. They're all going to laugh at you. It's just Wes Craven, his overbearing mother. Wes, don't talk to that Johnny Depp. He's going to laugh at you. I mean, but like, also, who says you have to ask him? Send something to his fucking manager and be like, hey, we want you to be in this cameo. Would you think about it? And he'll look at it. You don't have to be like, hey, knock on your door. Hey, I got these cookies for you. Want to be in my nightmare movie? He cameoed in one of the sequels. Uh, I don't remember which one. He was credited as uh, the name that he used was Oprah Noodle Mantra. Of course he did. There's no reason I have to know. Finish fucking Moby Dick, asshole. (laughs) God damn it, Andrew. What a Johnny, disappointment. Johnny Depp's getting all these phone calls. He's like, oh, uh, oh, and he hangs up. <laughs> <laughs> I love timid Wes Craven. <laughs> He's practicing before him like, uh, hi, Johnny. Uh, you remember me as your old pal uh, Wes Craven? <laughs> no, that sounds so stupid, stupid, stupid fucking Wes Craven. All right, let's try it again. Try it again. Hey, Johnny. It's what? <laughs> no, no, you no, that's too eager. No, that. God. That's what he's held up writing this whole time is his fucking script for fucking making the phone call. <laughs> <laughs> Which this script, by the way, the other thing that this movie does is the whole the movie shows you a scene and uh, then we see a bit of the script and it's verbatim what you just uh, saw. It's, My goodness, that's <laughs> stupid. It's really dumb because she goes finally goes to Wes Craven's house because like Bob Shay's like, hey, Wes is writing a new script you should check it out and oh he's writing a new script steve is he having nightmares again <laughs> he must be having nightmares again and she finally makes it to and this is about an hour into the movie because the movie won't let you know what it's about the movie's like i don't know what's happening maybe it's the earthquakes maybe it's not well, yeah and you're right not to sidetrack but 
It doesn't let you know what it's about because the only person who knows what it's about is Wes Craven, who doesn't make an appearance in the movie for an hour and 20 minutes. It's nuts. And he's fun. Like, well, just sit down and I'll, everybody just sit down. I'll, by the way, you've been watching a movie. I, ho- I don't want to jar you too much, but this. Uh... So, sorry about that uh, no opening credits. I hope you finally figured out it was, it was a movie. <laughs> I hope I didn't blur lines between reality and fantasy too much for you. Anyway, have a seat on my couch. I'm going to uh, tell you a story. I've been reading The Sandman and uh, dreams are like this. It's just, it's, it's really, really base, and there's a lot of like imagery of uh, fairy tales. Like, so it's like the idea of like a uh, Hansel and Gretel, and like, he's just trying to destroy the innocent. Heather, now all I can do, all one man can do, is write a screenplay, and that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, Heather, as you know, uh, I have a word of a day calendar, uh, and today's word was meta, <laughs> and I think I know what it means. <laughs> Trying to hash that out here. You know, funny story, when I flipped it over to uh, the new word of the day, I thought it said metal. I was uh, surprised to find out it was missing an L. Heather, uh, have you uh, heard from Johnny lately? Um, uh, just uh, wondering how he's doing. I just, uh, you know, I don't want to, uh, but don't, 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 don't tell him I asked. Don't tell him I asked about him. Did I mean, you tell him? Did you? You said something, didn't you? Oh, you said so. Oh, the whole project sucked now. I should I mean, stop right The private investigator has been very skimpy on the information. <laughs> You want me to do what? <laughs> Follow who? Uh, because why? <laughs> okay, scary man. I'm just looking for a natural situation to bump into him to maybe kind of sort of ask him to do a cameo in my new nightmare. Don't if- you make scary movies <laughs> for a living? Uh, I, 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 I do. But look, Rafo, all you have to do is put up a situation where I save him from a car wreck. <laughs> Do you we'll, know what a private investigator does? Well, I figure you just you're 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 up for hire, right? So, <laughs> so you'll just do anything, right? Uh, so he's you know this monster sort of starts breaking into the the world in one way or another. Uh, you know, we mentioned the 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 babysitter being killed in the hospital is yeah. one way. A ridiculous scene is where the the son is running across the freeway. Oh, man. Because, oh. you know, so they're like, listen, Heather, you have to go home and get some sleep because you keep yelling about that Freddy Krueger. And as we all know, he's a character in the movies. And the doctor slyly asks, do you like recreational drugs, Heather? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she's like, listen, kid, I got to go home because they're kicking me out of the hospital. Uh, but you know where home is, right? And he's like, yeah, right across the freeway. If you're ever explaining to your child how to get home <laughs> and your child doesn't have a driver's license, it's probably best to not say things like all you have to do is cross <laughs> the freeway. Cut to this kid walking in traffic. And then out of nowhere. I'm pretty like, sure he did that in Mercury Rising, too. Yeah, there's a lot of him walking in traffic. The, he's walking across the Autobahn. These cars are going <laughs> 90 miles an hour and are not stopping for a child and in what i would like to think is a direct reference to the ghost of mufasa (laughs) freddy krueger appears out of the clouds and starts lifting this kid up and dangling him over cars and whatnot although i think the lion king might have been 95 that sounds right oh man did this movie uh, get ripped (laughs) off by the lion king i hope yeah i guess but he just appears out of the clouds laughing, and I'm like, oh, okay, it's kind of a Freddy Krueger gag. That's cool. Yeah. But nothing really happens from it, except we find out, and this is an interesting turn of events. Uh, it turns out that in this movie's reality, Heather Langenkamp is a superhero. 
Because she gets hit by a car so fucking fiercely. <laughs> it's 70 miles an hour. And she just gets up like a robot and like dusts herself off and keeps running at a full clip. This windshield is demolished. She, <laughs> or that stunt double, goes right through this windshield. And she's like, huh, stupid Freddy. And just like keeps running. Do you think it's like ghost? And like she's like running after the kid and then like, but like she looks back and her dead body's just on the fucking... <laughs> I wish there is the <laughs> twist ending you you want. There's the twist ending you need. So the third act of this movie is John Saxon just comes to her house. <laughs> <laughs> because, again, he gets a phone call in the middle of the night. He's like, Heather, I'll be right there. Anything for you, Heather. Like, You're John Saxon. <laughs> and you remember, were Mitchell. Heather, I own you. I <laughs> <laughs> wasn't Mitchell. Yep. Uh, and then this is where stuff goes really into the fucking stupid tunnel because the whole thing like what we've been hearing this entire movie is the fantasy is coming into the real world and what happens instead is what we perceive to be the real world goes into the fantasy world because for no reason all of a sudden john saxon is the father character from the movie and he's calling heather nancy and he's like who is robert england yeah. freddy krueger's dead what are you talking about and i'm like wait what the fuck and then she turns around and her like la suburb house is the house from the nightmare movies why and it, this goes nowhere by the way yeah. this is one scene and then she goes into the dream world it's nothing. It's nobody. And that actually is the more interesting idea. Yeah. It, it is the more interesting idea. It's like this brand of huge psychosis. Like if fucking like Wes Craven comes over and starts giving you directions about how to cook her eggs or some shit like that. <laughs> and like, like it's, there's stuff there to be played with. And if you want to make a meta movie, you kind of have to go really crazy. You can't just be like, well, can't we just do the same thing we've done? But I mean, that's, that's the cooler way to do it yeah. is how they have that one scene is the actress Heather Langenkamp falls into this 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 psychosis of thinking she's back in these movies cuz she sees John Saxon and the first time she addresses him she says John and then he flips at some point and he's like who's John I'm your father and she looks and she sees his like sheriff badge yeah. and his gun and she's like oh no he's the character from the movie all and of a sudden and she's like wearing a nightgown like everything switches really quickly and it's kind of cool and it just literally, John Saxon gets into his car and that element drives away with him. You never see John Saxon again in the rest of the movie. Fucking tragedy, first of all. But it stops so ferociously. She goes into the house and I'm like, okay, cool. They, maybe they redid like the, the set from the, the first house. That's pretty sweet. She just goes back into the L.A. house, and the whole thing's completely dropped. Well, the, I, I think I put a puzzle piece in here, because Ooh. I bet you what happened is he had written a whole scene where, like, she, like she's living with Johnny Depp now. <laughs> and, I like, they, they work they, up they, the current. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just there, and, like, they're a married couple or something, or, like, <laughs> it's back in the day, and they're, like, still dating, and he's, like, asking you, like, do you want to cuddle, or can we make out or some shit like that? <laughs> And because he couldn't get the guts up to ask Johnny, they had to go. So there goes John Saxon. He's Guys, just... I have some bad news. Uh, I had to cut, well, about 30 pages out of the script. <laughs> I just uh, cannot bring myself to ask that beautiful man to be in this movie. He's I... locked in his bedroom. Wes, come out, sweetie. Wes, it's going to be okay. We'll just rewrite it. It's a great movie. You don't need Johnny Depp. 
Who needs that Johnny Depp anyway? He's just, he's in his dead and he's just getting smash ass wasted. <laughs> he's just fucking like getting, trying to get the courage up. He just gets too drunk and passes out. <laughs> he passes out holding a picture of Johnny Depp and him from 1983 on the set. His wife just hears, why Johnny? From the fucking den and has to run and help him. That's why John Saxon's in this movie. It's because he got so drunk. He accidentally called John Saxon, <laughs> and John Saxon felt so bad for him. Well, of course I'll be in your movie. That's the fantastic <laughs> instance I want to see is where they're waiting on set, and he's like, all right, everybody, today's the big day. You know who's going to show up. And then a car pulls up to the set, and he's like, oh, man, I've been waiting for this day. Yeah. And then John Saxon gets out, and he's like, the hell are you doing here? <laughs> Uh, we had that whole conversation. I'm going to be in your new Freddy movie or whatever. <laughs> you called me. Yeah, you were pretty tipsy. Do you not remember this conversation? Wes, I gave up an arc on picket fences for this <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> you better write me into this. I'm supposed to play a wacky school teacher who moves into the town. Well, Wes, where is my wig entourage going to go? <laughs> like, a whole caravan of people? You are so right in calling that out, though, because there are some older guys who do not manage that fucking wig department. Yep. And he is a guy who was fooling people for a long time mm -hmm. because it just got a little more salt and a little more pepper. Mm -hmm. Just like, like year by year, he'd pop up in a movie and you're like, yeah. He's aging pretty gracefully. Those sideburns match the top of his head. Yep, Everything's it's a working out. This weave, man. It's a beautiful weave. You see like a wrinkly old dude with like just horse brown hair. <laughs> who is fooling who with that? And how do you not realize that that's a problem? Wig wearers of the world, I'm asking you, well, because everybody can tell. Well, John Saxon's got the money to pay for it, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Wigs and nothing else. <laughs> He's got a real sweet Airstream RV, probably, that he takes on vacation to Myrtle Beach every year. So another thing this movie loves to do, because here's the thing. You want to make your art movie, because this movie really wants to pretend it's an art movie. You can't do the flashbacks from five minutes ago thing that this movie loves, yeah. because you need to have respect for your audience. But every so often, like, there's a trail of sleeping pills that's leading somewhere. And, like, the story that she read with the kid was Hansel and Gretel. And, like, you know, how did they get back? And they make a big show about how they got back by following the fucking breadcrumbs. She picks it up. It's like, breadcrumbs, which is enough. And then Miko Hughes is like, read the story again. And it's like, it just goes on and on. And I'm like, I fucking figured that out minutes ago. So she takes all these sleeping pills. I think it's it's practically a suicide attempt. It's a ledger-esque amount of sleeping pills, if you will. Oh, stop looking at me like that, Sadek. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Whatever, man. I loved him, but that was a mistake. A <laughs> crucial mistake. Mm -hmm. But yeah, she's, she's popping these things like Tic Tacs, and you're like... How much do you need to fight this monster? <laughs> do you ever want to wake up from this dream world? Or Don't what? you go to bed pretty easily on your own most nights? <laughs> do you really need seven of them? You've been sleep deprived. You could probably just just one and a little bit of a little bit of wine. You're out, man. Well, they already make a point in one of the the earthquakes that is like her house specific earthquakes. 
that like the coffee machine falls like that's another thing they're taking from the first movie she's got a coffee mate like by the bed and whatnot and the earthquake happens and she looks up at her nightstand and the lamp and like the alarm clock and everything are perfectly where they were but the coffee pot has fallen. Whoa. But like, so she's off coffee. That's all they do in the other movies. They stop drinking coffee and magically the caffeine stops like yeah. right away <laughs> in these movies. I always loved that. But yeah, you don't need to take a pound by pound concession candy amount of fucking <laughs> sleeping pills I mean, she's here. She's a fucking member of the train spotting crew at this point. <laughs> You want to see fucking monsters? Keep taking those sleeping pills, lady. She's like You'll chugging see- a thing of Robitussin, too. It's <laughs> just for good measure. <laughs> Robo-tripping. So she goes to fight him in the land of make-believe. And she finds Miko Hughes. Which I love is when she first sees the kid, she screams like on instinct. Which I feel like if I saw that kid as a little kid, I'd probably scream, too. Absolutely. It's like, hey, Miko. Oh, my God. Hello. Uh, so they're in this dream world. And by the way, the whole thing that's really a pain in the ass in this movie is the entrance and exit, like the the, the, the doorway here to get in betwixt the worlds is the end of your bed because it's all back to just, yep, you know, yeah. monsters under the bed. So mm-hmm. we got to literally climb under the bed sheets to get into this dream world. And she falls through, you know, it's like a fucking water slide of shit. Am I the only one who thought about, and uh, the answer is obviously going to be no, but um, when in Bill and Ted's bogus journey, when the old grandmother comes for Alice Winters, I was thinking about that portal when that happens. That's one of the scariest things in movie history to me, I'll be honest with you. That one always freaked me out. That whole sequence of them going to hell in that that Bill and Ted's bogus journey always freaked me the fuck out. Well, I mean, pre-station, that movie's okay. (laughs) Yeah, pre-station yeah. and post-station. <laughs> yeah, that movie is a real pre- and post-station quality control area. Station! Fuck wants a bunch of naked trolls that save the world. Just fucking stop Fucking, it. like, gremlin fuck in the middle of the movie. <laughs> like, I don't need it. She falls out of this, like, hellmouth thing, by the way, and it looks like a Mayan temple. Like, she's falling into, like, this, like, massive hellscape thing that it's, like... You know, it's like a hellscape version of a boiler room. So yeah. everything's like hellified by 300%. And there's like big Freddy face that we see for a second. It's just. Uh, it's that's a, what she falls out of the mouth of, yeah. isn't it? It's like yeah. a big Freddy head. It's fucking a big seven mish- deadly sins are everywhere. Well, that's, it's, it's a mishmash of everything. And if you, like you said, Chris, let's do a mythology then. There was once a demon named Crabble Crab. And what he did was he fucking. He, he was actually the Hansel and Gretel demon. And that's how they stopped him. And that's how it goes. That's a story that I could get behind. Yeah. The seven deadly sins are there. It looks like a Mayan temple. When she falls. There's Kabbalah references, probably. <laughs> Madonna's there telling you about them. My favorite thing that happens in that shot where she falls out of the shit waterfall, mm-hmm. and you see, like, it's this big computer effect, like, matte shot or whatever of this land, and you see how big this underworld is. She's falling down the waterfall, and in, like, the bottom right-hand side of the frame... There's an honest-to-goodness pterodactyl. Just <laughs> so, so you have all these things, and then dinosaurs are there. Well, because we, did, uh, we didn't talk about, and it's one of the most who-gives-a-shit parts of this, but it comes up all the time, yep. is the Rex... Oh, he's got, oh, a, he's got a stuffed yeah. animal that he calls his guardian that keeps the bad man away in it. 
the way we know where how Freddy's close Freddy's getting is how fucking mauled this stuffed animal gets. Yeah, there, it starts with like a couple scratches, and then like she sews it back up with like red linen, which is weird. That would be so great. Is if at the end of this movie, he's like, "Now die, bitch!" And then all of a sudden, his hand gets bitten by a gigantic T Rex, and he's like, "What?" <laughs> that would explain all of like the Miko Hughes creepy noises. Was he just starts going like, and it gets like low, and he's. <laughs> and just turns into a dinosaur. Oh yeah, that's how you. End yeah, this most movie. of the time he's just acting like Mowgli, and I don't fucking need it, <laughs> honestly. And like, actually, I mean, if he, if fucking Freddy Krueger gets Richard Shift in this movie, I'm all about it. Richard Shift tears him, just tear him in half. Yeah, I understand. Okay, it's a, it's a good Jurassic Park, the Lost okay, World. Okay, well, reference. okay, or he goes to work at the White House, I guess. <laughs> Best case scenario for most people. Mr. Kruger, this is your first day at the White House, and shockingly, you passed all of the security inspections. <laughs> I think we need to reevaluate how we let people into this building. Your background check is, like, squeaky clean. <laughs> so she runs past Vishnu, Santa Claus, <laughs> and the Tricks Rabbit, and then she finally finds Freddy Krueger in this world. <laughs> And uh, I, you know it's it's a boiler fight. Who cares? It's your it's your standard boiler fight. That's what I love too. Is you know we're making such a big deal that this is a demon that's yep. centuries old <laughs> and it's been bound by story and this that and the other thing. And she can still just kick him in the balls like anything. Like what the fuck? It makes no fucking sense. Like have some rules to your fucking world just some i'm not asking for all of them yeah I'm just, just asking for something that i can follow if freddy krueger can really be put down by like a knife to the kidneys like yeah <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is it's a dream world where he has total dominion and like miko hughes goes into the spoiler and, like, <laughs> and he's like hiding in the corner and freddy krueger can't get through the door so he's like <laughs> reaching out with this claw hand and like it takes two minutes for him to occur to stretch his hand out further. Why not just become a giant and eat the fucking kid anyway? You control this world. Why not just make that boiler not exist anymore? <laughs> yeah. And he's just out in the open. Spoiler alert. Don't even bother having a boiler, Freddy. Don't even do it. <laughs> you know that that's your Achilles heel. <laughs> boiler rooms. It's like a fucking... It's like Superman making his entertainment center at Kryptonite. Doesn't make a whole <laughs> lot of sense. Clark, you know what? Just it looks nice, but it's not that functional. You know, Clark, I understand that you wanted this because the uh, the the green sort of matches the drapes that you have here, but this is clearly life threatening. <laughs> I want you to call that carpenter back. <laughs> I want you to. Uh, this is ridiculous. Get it out of here. If there was ever a case for particle board, this is it. Get 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 it out. Well, Lois, I love to live on the edge. <laughs> So they're fighting in this boiler, and Miko Hughes, like, stabs him in the knee, which, let me tell you, there's a lot of instances in this movie where, like, whenever I see kids in horror movies, I try to figure out, like, okay, you know, the way they set up these shots and everything, is the, is the kid actor actually Where? seeing the shit, you know, and, and whatnot. The scene where the babysitter is, like, hanging from the ceiling and bleeding, like, yep, the kid's definitely looking at her. And in this, the kid is definitely plunging a knife into this man's leg. And it's, it's this like, monster's leg. Yeah, it's like, ah, this dude might be kind of weird now. Like, I don't know him, but he might be what? weird. Based on video, home video <laughs> evidence, this kid might be weird. He also 
cut the Achilles tendons of Fred Gwynn. That 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 one. Will oh, haunt, that's that's that'll right. haunt me forever. Oh man, does he just get it in that movie? Poor Fred Gwynn. This uh, road's very busy. <laughs> Up there by the pet cemetery. Uh, sure Can't hope take- a little boy doesn't cut my tendons out. <laughs> Drop me like a bag of rocks. Just saved a baby from being roadkill. <laughs> Any thanks for that? <laughs> no? Uh, All right. Well, this movie also has a very weird thing about, like, uh, violence and, ch- like, uh, violent content for children. It's just, like, yeah. it's this thing that's underneath, like, uh, because uh, the doctor... Uh, who's doing like the who you said is like uh, Freddie, right? Okay, fine. Yeah, she, she's had enough of that talk. But like, she keeps on like really like prodding her about the like. Is he watching your movies? Yeah, this is what I was touching on earlier. This yeah. idea of like horror movies fuck up kids and whatnot. But like, and it goes like further that with the Hansel and Gretel thing also, where she's just like, maybe I shouldn't be telling this to kid. Like, dude, Wes Craven. Where are you? Yeah. Like, what the fuck are you thinking? Dude, I understand that you might not have wanted to make all of these horror movies and that it was kind of just your job for a while. Yeah. That's fine and everything. But you made them. You do that. And yeah. if you're going to really make some movie about how that is maybe not making you feel great, you don't do it with this half ass thing where you're also blowing yourself the whole time. Totally. And also, if you're really bothered by it, you don't go on to continue making those movies. You don't go on to two years later, make one of the best movies of your career. Like, you can't really feel that bad about it. So then you have to think, okay, if he doesn't have a problem with it, he's got to be sort of like lampooning those people. But at no point... Does that ever happen? Like, that no, doctor doesn't get any comeuppance for no, thinking movies ruin kids. No, they, no, she's very straight. Like, she's like the most stone-faced of them all. She's kind of just like, yeah, don't do that. Like, and, like there's, a couple of, there's a couple of bumbling nurses in that scene, but they're not accusing the mother of showing the movie to the kids. Can we talk about the nurses in that scene for a minute? Because <laughs> yeah, there's some bullies. Because it is a little preposterous. They trick somebody into getting an injection. Yeah, I don't know what is going on with that. So they're saying, all right, listen, we got to get this kid some sleep because he's sleep deprived and he might be bipolar. He might be schizo. He needs to just rest. So this nurse is like filling up a syringe and the babysitter's like, hey, what's that for? And she's like, oh, just something to help him sleep. And the babysitter's like, all right, well, hey, man, you know, the mother said, you know, don't let him go to sleep until she comes back. So could you just wait a second? And then from behind the babysitter, there's this other nurse like, gotcha and like gives the kid an injection and the nurse is like oops it's great and it's it's also because like heather langenkamp looks so crazy in this hospital like, he can't go to sleep it's like jonestown it's like he can't it's like i don't know what i don't know what fucking is this kid homeschooled like what is going on sleep is just fine well from whenever you awake from whatever the seventh dream you're in now yeah that is lawsuit city. Like fucking like I don't want you to do that to my kid. Yep. Fucking don't like and the babysitter by the way they have this planned out way before the babysitter. They've never met the babysitter. Right. And babysitter comes in and is like don't do that and they're like oh wait, plan B. <laughs> Go, it. let's do it. Quick, do the thing. <laughs> <laughs> the old nurse's switcheroo. Yeah, but that nurse pays with her life. Oh, no, she does. She gets punched in the face. One yeah. nurse gets punched in the face, and uh, then... Uh, oh, no, it's the same nurse that later gets elbowed in the stomach quite comically, which is pretty great. A real good oof, which I always enjoy. <laughs> 
She does. Heather Langenkamp calls the doctor an idiot at one point, which is probably the funniest line in the movie because she's like, well, there's no way this kid could have walked out of the hospital. He's been sedated. And she's like, he sleepwalks, you idiot. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you got a point there. My favorite part of this movie of uh, Heather Langenkamp's limitations is when Freddy attacks her in the bedroom. He, he cuts her arm really bad. And then she just goes, ow. Like she looks <laughs> at it and gets a good ow in. It's a real Peter Griffin because <laughs> the whole movie stops <laughs> speaking of the whole movie stops so we're in the boiler room we're fighting I don't know I mean she she basically tricks him it's a very Hansel and Gretel yeah it's totally yeah. Hansel and Gretel yeah she, she you know she pushes him in the oven and puts the fucking flame he up he does high. the one fucking weird Freddy I'm gonna move my jaw down thing that was pretty cool he tries to eat this kid's head again Miko Hughes, like, cute that, kid actor. That kid's definitely just in a monster's mouth. Yeah, just, no, no, no. In this scene, uh, this monster that looks really scary, you're going to put your face inside of his mouth. But it's all makeup and make-believe. <laughs> Don't worry. They have to, they must have to do this thing that I remember actually um, when I rented Insidious. Uh, they had a special feature where they were showing how uh, the fucking Darth Maul demon who's fucking playing piano and clipping his nails at the end of that movie. Mm-hmm. Bad fucking turn for that movie. Uh, but to to make the kids not scared, uh, or the, the son character, like, not scared of the actor, they had him, like, sit down, yeah. and dude's dressed up as Darth Maul demon, and he's like, hey, man, how's it going? I'm fucking Steve. You know, I'm, I'm the demon. I also wrote the music for this movie, you know? Yeah, yeah. So they, like, had him hang out. I would imagine they kind of have to do that with Robert Englund in the, in the getup. Like, hey, it's, it's me, Bob Englund. Although... Playing himself in this movie is almost equally creepy to Freddy's creepiness. Because he's got, like, dark, like, circular Paul Schaefer sunglasses on the whole time. And super blonde hair for no good reason. (laughs) They kind of have him do the whole, like, let's do lunch Hollywood babe thing for a little bit. Which is kind of funny, because, again... He just does shitty horror movies. Uh, so, yeah, so they throw him in the oven, and then the, you see the demon for, like, a hot second because the Freddy shit yep. sort of burns off, and it just kind of looks like the devil, more or less. Yeah, it looks like uh, Tim Tim Curry's devil from Legend. Yes! Oh, man, that was another image that scared the ever-loving shit out but of me for years. It also kind of reminded me of, remember in Blade when the guys would get the fucking uh, blood, the super blood yep. into the chest, oh, and yeah. they muted mutated out and they turned into the like, job of the hut for a bit and then exploded <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah i, I thought of like that because like his head's like expanding and his eyes are <laughs> popping out yeah his eyes kind of pop out like those little toys that you would squeeze and they were filled with water and the little eyeballs bugged out also which what demon worth his salt is allergic to fire like what <laughs> <laughs> yeah smack him in the face with the bible or something if anything that w- wouldn't that strip away freddy and make the make actual the demon come, demon come exa- out and there's another fucking scene that's fantastic right like you've done it now yeah. i am released all it took was a little flame <laughs> and he just comes up and it's like wow we're fucked and then it's like i don't know john saxon shakes him awake hi i came over for my uh, tuesday morning wake up like i do every week we are best friends in real life well, everybody considering the rules of this movie they could probably just fucking throw water in his face he'd be dead but th- that's what you realize toward the end shock of all shock they kind of just don't even know what to do because nope. he burns nope. up. There's like a big fake explosion, and then they shoot out the fucking bed sheets. Yep, and they're like, "Whew, 
That was close. Really? The bed exploded and you're back out of that world? And all of a sudden, I guess Wes Craven came to her house when she wasn't there and left the script. Just left the finished script with like a thanks for playing Nancy one last time. And then you're like, wait a second. She didn't play. Did they make the What? And then you realize not having the opening credits worked because the (laughs) lines of reality and movie are blurred. And we might have been watching an hour and 40 minute making of documentary (laughs) because Wes Craven told me that she played Nancy one last time. And by the way. Freddy is finally, quote, back where he belongs. Yeah, on the fucking blockbuster shelf. Yeah, it wasn't just, you know, frivolous incompetence. <laughs> it was, you know, uh, it was an idea behind it all. Fuck you. Get You're welcome, everyone. I just saved your lives by making this movie and keeping the demon at bay. What I love, and this is truly the most ridiculous part of this movie, is she's looking at this script and of course the the last page of the script is them saying what they're saying on the screen so the kid's like is it a story and she's like yeah it's a story and he's like read it to me and then she starts reading this kid the script for new nightmare and you're like so are you gonna skip over the part where like his dad was murdered by a demon because he doesn't really know how that happened you're going to skip over all those parts where you you would, by reading it, would force him to rehash all this traumatic shit that he just went through over the last week? Are you really going to sit there after everything that's happened to you and read this shitty script to your kid? Maybe you should have your Just read to him the fucking take it away. The scene where fucking Robert England is like being Renoir in his studio with the fucking John Lennon glasses. <laughs> you know what? Call, at that point, I get the script. I look at it. And I see this the part where my husband's murdered. I call Wes Craven like, what the fuck, Wes? Like, I- that scene- No, that's what's messed up, though. In that scene where he's like, so listen, I've kind of been letting this script write itself and blah, blah, blah. She sort of asks him like, hey, man, did you know all that shit about my husband? And he was like, sorry, <laughs> it's for the art. Like, he, he really just kind of shrugs his shoulders like, it's out of my hands. Freddy's kind of my thing. muse. What I, what can I say? <laughs> and she's just kind of like, oh, come on, man. You kill- oh, man. <laughs> it's such an inappropriate reaction to find out that somehow this dude's writing murdered your husband. Like, this writer, okay, this dude understands that, like, what he's writing is having an actual, like, you know, influence on the course of events. This man decided to write a scene in where your husband was taken from you in a vicious car accident. I mean, I'm looking forward to be single again, but God, Wes. <laughs> You didn't want to give me a little heads up here? Heather, I uh, finally figured out a way to get you back on the market. It's having nightmares again. So uh, I'm going to the gym again. <laughs> I uh, can't work up the courage to write a scene with Johnny Depp in it. Uh, I have nightmares about meeting Johnny Depp all the time, but they're not appropriate. <laughs> and that's New Nightmare. I mean, it ends. The, the end credits have New Nightmare come up. Oh, and to blur the re- the reality. Uh, oh, yeah, even please, further, let's get a little blurrier. And Freddy Krueger as, as himself. himself. Shut oh. the flying fuck up, <laughs> Wes Craven. All right, just shut up about it already. <laughs> no one <laughs> in their right mind is being fooled by any of it. And when someone sees that in the theater. And looks at it and sees Freddy Krueger as himself. They go, that's cute. Yep. I got to take a piss. <laughs> like, 
It's such a ridiculous touch that you think is going to evoke one thing out of people. You have this whole ridiculous artistic integrity behind it, and it's really <laughs> that's cute. Where'd I park that car? Exactly. It's like yeah. it's it's really dime store Halloween store scares and just like I don't know maybe it's real like, of course it's not fucking real it's a movie that I just saw of course it's not real I'm, I paid a ticket to go to a wax museum I know that this statue of Dracula is not real also let's just let's just go into this movie's reality for a bit let's take a fucking long drive into this movie's reality <laughs> so Robert England played himself and somehow this demon, what, he came on set? Was he eating food? Did he have a fucking trailer? What does the audition tape for this demon look like? How many demons were interviewed by the casting he agency? Definitely only eats green M&M's. <laughs> and so, okay, to dive even further into this reality, you were too much of a coward to call Johnny Depp on the phone, but you somehow were able to conjure a demon into a casting call. Is that what you're saying with and Freddy Krueger as himself? What a stupid thing to do. Look, honey, I'm not gonna... I, I, I'm giving up on Johnny, but I got in touch... I got in touch with the Dark Lord. And the Dark Lord told me that he can give me a demon at, like, good fucking fair price, you know, scale pay, the whole nine yards. And you know what? I think I'm just going to go that way with it. Listen, I couldn't muster the courage to open my address book, but I was able to conjure something from the Book of the Dead. <laughs> His name's Freddy Krueger. Like, what, the- what are you telling me? I'm going to branch out on a limb here and say that no one's going to recommend this movie. No, I mean, it's not even that. I mean, I know we really spent a lot of time shitting on Wes Wes Craven, but it's not even directed that well, to be quite honest. Like, the, there's no... The original Nightmare has a real cool tone to it. You know what I mean? Like, the colors are really interesting. Mm -hmm. There's a real cool Sid score. This is bland as anything. It's just, it's milk toast. Everything about it. It really is. And speaking of the score, I mean, there is one part in particular. I can't remember what scene it was. But I think it's where maybe she's, like, racing the kid to the hospital or something like that. And she's in the car. And it's this, like, sweeping, overdramatic shit. And you're just like, where is this coming from? That's all over this movie. There's There are a number of scenes where it's, like... Big a horror movie score of like, and a guy's like fucking changing a battery. <laughs> and you want to talk about audacity in scores when one of the things creepy little Miko Hughes does is stab Freddie in the foot, and they put the fucking screeching violins. Yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, because we're just reference crazy uh the, yeah the imdb has a little thing under it that says you know under every piece of trivia it says find it interesting share it or the other one should be go fuck yourself the <laughs> fact that you have to tell me that yeah do you know what miko hughes stabs that's the shining that's the the psycho soundtrack did yeah you, where, did where, you notice it where's the no shit button on imdb <laughs> for all that uh now something someone mentioned online that i thought was kind of an interesting thing to do uh Someone on Twitter was like, hey, uh, when you collectively say no to recommending a movie, uh-huh. go around and recommend something to us alternatively. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if we can't tell you to go out and see Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which don't, uh, let's go around and recommend something for folks to check out otherwise. Like just a horror? You- uh, yeah. yeah. Try and stay with horror. I, yeah. Yeah. Um- uh, I would say uh, the original, they, uh, a remake of it is coming out right now, but I actually prefer the original. Is a movie called We Are What We Are. Mm, yeah. Um, it's uh, the original, I think, is Mexican. 
uh, and it's about a family of cannibals, and it's very like uh, uh, very quiet, very moody, uh, and they don't like they don't. There's not a lot of death, but the ones that are done are really unsettling and really mm-hmm. creepy. The remake is fine. It, it's I it's like by, the remake. Actually. It's it's by Jim Mickle, and the guy knows how to direct a movie, so I'm not cre- I'm not like losing it. Stakeland, he also did was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, it's it's a really moody. It's uh, a movie that I still remember very well, and it really creeped me out. Yeah, I would do uh, the Innkeepers, which is another Ty West. Totally, I, I really like Ty West stuff. It's been really cool. He's got a very He's a guy that does, like, this is a real world and things are going to come into it really well. And that's mm-hmm. what that Innkeepers is. And, you know, that's one of the things you need to do when you're trying to make uh, a movie capture what it would be like to really be in a horror movie. Give me uh-huh. not a real reality, but a quirky reality or a reality that makes me feel at ease that this is a, a plain Jane reality. So once the monsters show up, it makes some sense and it's actually is a bit scary he he does a very good job at making like atmospheric horror i've recommended house of the devil on this show before mm. uh and i think the innkeepers while not as good as that movie yeah. is also really great his part in the first vhs was the only part i could stomach of that movie and on that note speaking of found footage this isn't my recommend because i haven't seen it yet but the sacrament which just got picked up by magnolia it's a cult movie uh, that not not like cult classic movie. It's a movie about people infiltrating a cult, like a documentary yeah. crew kind of a thing. It's a little bit sound of my voice, but um, you know, I, it's gotten really good reviews, so I'm looking forward to that. My wreck is the most recent uh, Rob Zombie movie, Lords of Salem. Uh, played the festival circuit last year. Kind of got a really super small release this year. It's probably out on video by now. Oh yeah, it's, it's on. I think it's on Netflix. It might be on Watch Now. I'm almost positive it uh, is. It is fantastic. It I is think it is. Brilliant. It's hands down his best movie. Uh, it's Sherry Moon Zombie plays a radio DJ. I get small town radio DJ. I'm a sucker for it. Uh, it's her Ken Foree uh, from Dawn of the Dead and another dude. And they they're radio DJs. They play a record. Um, that, you know, it's people saying this witch chant or something, and it releases these witches, a uh, coven of witches in Salem onto the town, and they start fucking with her. It's a really, like, cerebral horror movie. It's kind of Rosemary's Baby-ish, which is awesome. She's really good in it, Sherry Moon Zombie. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a really, really, really solid movie. And, it like, you know, I was kind of burned out by those Halloween movies, even though I did like the second one. And the end of that second Halloween is kind of like a teaser well, for what this entire movie is, which is kind of just crazy. Well, talk about a guy who knows how to uh, catch you off guard, mm-hmm. like a guy who knows how to put an image that freaks you out. Like the, there's an image in Lords of Salem where like there's she's she's looking at a big red cross and it's just this long shot of her doing it. And all of a sudden it goes back and there's just this huge fucking monster mm-hmm. standing behind her. And you're just like, what the fuck is that? And yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you're and, just like, ah. and what's fantastic is all that monster is doing is standing there and then it cuts. It's like. I really, really cannot recommend that movie enough. Um, so I think, you know, honestly, throughout this month, we'll probably just be recommending horror movies, obviously. Yeah. This is the first of, uh, you know, several weeks of talking Five about weeks. horror movies. A good old fat October to do Spooktacular. I love when that comes around. That's Wes Craven's new nightmare. Hoof, what a stinker. If you want to get a hold of us or find out more information about the show, check out the website, whmpodcast.com. We are on Facebook, and you can follow us on Twitter, at whmpodcast. Right into the mailbag. We all hate movies at gmail.com. How would you rank 
some of Wes Craven's best and worst films. Uh, Believe It on Outer Space returns next month, the first Wednesday. Eric will be back chatting about conspiracy theories then. Blame it on Outerspace.com, at Blame Space Pod on Twitter. Until next week, I'm Andrew Jupin. Steven Sadak. Chris Gavin. Take it easy. 